to assemble a task force of the most dangerous people on the planet who I think can do some good. They're bad guys. Exactly. And if anything goes wrong, we blame them. We have built-in deniability. What makes you think you can control Welcome to the I Need a Minute podcast, part of Tempia Seniors Network. We're back to two podcasts. Two podcasts a week. This is the Thursday pod. Um, of course, we're brought to you by Tropics. Tropic shipping um, for all of your shipping needs. We just made an Amazon order and a Whole Foods order. Thank you, Tropics. Um, also brought to you by Limeade. Josh, we still haven't had Limeade delivered to the 10th year seniors headquarters and location yet. So still waiting on that, you know, maybe before the end of the lockdown. Who knows? I know like Craven, you could get Limeade, but we didn't get the Limeade yet. Maybe you'll see like all this advertisement. Like I would think Josh. That's all I'm saying. Like help the planet. Um, and then also, <laughs> great luck. Salty <laughs> AF over here. Great luck. Uh, and th- Alive. Alive. Another sponsor for us. Thank you, Alive, for all of this speedy internet. Are you done? I'm done. Hi, yeah. this is Oborts, your oh. girl from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get right into yeah, it. Your girl. Your girl, Oborts. We're going to get into it. So, this podcast is about climate change. Mm, um, yes, gals like nature. Climate's always changing. Yep. Um, <laughs> and uh, D- uh, Dakari and I recently watched the film uh, narrated by David Attenborough called uh, Life on Our Planet. And the reason why we watched this, first of all, I mean, I love anything David Attenborough, amazing voice. Uh, but I was talking to I was talking to Alessandra, aka my mother, about this show, and she just recently watched it. She said it was amazing. She said it was it was very sad, and but uh, he he concluded it with some really positive points. It ended really beautifully. Um, there's hope, basically. So Dakari and I started watching this movie, and to be honest, it was quite negative, quite depressing, and we were waiting. Yeah, like the planet's fucked. Oh, we're, we, we all know we're fucked. And yeah, I yeah. think um, because of COVID, we've been, at least I can speak for myself, I've been trying to just avoid any other kind of negative news because COVID is just, it's it's been so concentrated and it's obviously flooding everybody's phones, all of your notifications, everything has COVID. And so once you start reading things like, oh, oh yeah, by the way, don't forget about climate change, we're all fucked. It's like, I just don't have time for that right now. Anyway, we decided to watch this film just warning you if you choose to watch this yes there is hope but it doesn't like don't tr- don't don't look for the hope in the beginning of the film it comes at the very very end so it's negative throughout the whole film you know, so I don't even be prepared think, i don't even think the ending was that hopeful i'm gonna be no, honest no it with wasn't you. it was kind of like um oh yeah we're still fucked if unless we do this which we aren't gonna do so David Attenborough, I, I think, kind of went through. He he began it with, um, I think he was in the Ukraine, went to a Chernobyl site where there had to yes. be evacuation because of, if you watch the HBO show Chernobyl, we talked about it a bit um, last year, one of the best shows that I've seen. But you see like the devastation that a nuclear reactor can do when it's not managed properly and the, the devastation it can do to humans and then to nature. And he had that as the backdrop to say that this is potentially what could happen to the planet if we are not um, careful in how we care for it. And he began the story with um, what his life was like as a young boy and growing up in the countryside and then getting into his career as, I don't even know, what would you even call that occupation? 
of traveling environmentalist traveling around the planet bio environmental bio something something something. he's not an activist i don't think that started until you know after his retirement because what he was like what his early career was is he felt that there was no one else documenting it and Mm -hmm. he was being paid to travel the globe and kind of document because he was like one of the first people in that field to say that i will go to these remote locations and when you really think about it it's like he's putting his life on the line every time he does something i think like he's that. like a biodiversity researcher yeah so i feel like that sounds great that sounds legit let's that call sounds, him that i yeah, mean we could have looked legit. this up before yeah, but, but this is what we're on. going with <laughs> yeah but i think what struck me um right away in those very first few scenes when he was doing that and of course he had the classic um fit of in the jungle i got my short khakis mid um, pockets olive green on socks. pockets on pockets he's somehow a cargo top and a cargo pants. cargo hat cargo hat everything going <laughs> and what struck me was that they showed him in a plane traveling to these remote locations and i said that that's one of the biggest things that people complain about now is the way that we use planes excessively but in order for him to do this in order for us to get here he had to get on planes to travel across the globe and of course they probably weren't as fuel efficient as vehicles are now but w- when you just saw that black and white footage what were some of your first thoughts i actually was i think i was more shocked i didn't have that thought until you brought it up mm-hmm. about the planes um because obviously he doesn't he didn't realize the um the damage that planes can cause i mean I mean, constant. I mean, when it's, I think back then, obviously there's a lot less um, air travel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think anyone could have really predicted how terrible it would have been, even if our oil or our gas, whatever planes use nowadays is cleaner. Um, my thought was, wow, he has the privilege of how amazing that must have been. I was just thinking about how amazing that would have been to be able to see the earth in that form. And then how much has gone, how much of that is, is, is removed and how depressing that must be. I can't even, I can't, if I was in his position, I feel like I would have suffered a serious depression because I was telling you, um, growing up, our family was coming from the West coast. Our family was able to travel to Hawaii really easily. And when I was really young, we would go snorkeling. And I remember seeing how colorful the coral was and so many fish. It was insane. And then it wasn't until I think I was 17, I went again to Hawaii with my mom and my cousin. And I remember we went snorkeling to the same location that I did when we were younger. And there were, all the coral was dead and mm-hmm. barely any fish. And I remember, I remember in that moment feeling really sad and very just... A for uh, just this this flow of depression that went through me, and that was one situation, and that's in my lifetime. And I just I'm I just kept thinking about how he, seeing from the '60s till 2020. Earlier than that. Early the 50s. 30s. No, he when was he born again? I thought I, I he think, started in the yeah, 60s. Yeah, because yeah, but we saw oh, yeah, uh, the, the device trend. they were You're using. Right. Uh, so a, a device they use in the film is to say that this is uh, the percentage of the human mm-hmm. population on the planet. And then this is the amount of nature or whatever that they humans ba- have not they occupied. They basically go through chapters. Right. And that's a device he used like when he's skipping decades to show what human impact has had. And they yeah. kind of um, set this up between um, basically laying out how agriculture and 
how agriculture has affected human growth and it's akin to how sapiens um laid out the case for like the increase in human population and also a book i read last year ishmael mm-hmm. it also uh, laid out that case about how agriculture truly transformed the world and then by the time we got to the industrial age which is the age attenborough began traveling and yes. doing all of these recordings then you you saw like the the gradual effect and then like the big spike in how carbon emissions really affected the planet yeah the thing is i think with what we've been doing we haven't really changed a lot of what we've what we're doing from back then from from uh let's say the the 50s it's just population has gone up so much and then also um uh, what's it called? Manufacturing of things that we don't need. You know, over uh, like fast fashion is one small example, but the amount of waste that we produce is definitely higher. But because population is high, waste is higher. It's extremely damaging. But we just have not. I don't know evolved, if I agree with that I though. Think. I think that we have changed. Like we have. Okay, so fuel um, has gotten more efficient, right? But I think in the way that we have changed is that people are more accustomed to their luxuries and that there mm-hmm. are more third world countries that are taken into account. So yeah. where you had the industrial age for like the bigger like colonizers, mm-hmm. the, the larger countries, and they got to go through that period in um, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, right? So all of these other countries are catching up at the same time that agriculture has been, um, you know, more pronounced that where you have to feed the entire planet. So there is more farming that's done. And then that means that there are more pesticides being used, more areas being cleared to farm the land. Like nature doesn't just get to be nature because people want shit, right? And the same thing with animals. Like there are going to be more um, slaughterhouses created just because there there's a larger demand for meat where there is more people. But I think that people's consumption habits, even from the 50s, have changed to... To now. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that I think that in terms of farming and, I mean, we're going to go over the solutions that um, David Attenborough gave at the end of the film, um, but I, what I'm saying is that with all the technology and everything that we've done, it's so interesting that, for example, the far- the amount of land in the States that's used just for farming, mm-hmm. how that all these I- great ideas that we have in other categories for, you know, tech um like building apps, game apps, right? How has no one thought of, okay, let's say there's a slaughterhouse. How come it has to be one level? Why aren't people creating buildings or something to create, le- to have less land? Why do we are still doing it this old, more old fashioned way? Yes, there's still technology obviously infused in these ways, mm-hmm. but the amount of land that we're still using, um, it's crazy to me that after all these years that we still haven't been able to develop something else or maybe it has been but no big companies want to pick it up because it's too expensive too expensive for them to do so we'll we're going to get to to that part of it i i do kind of want to um go into like the early part of the film where he is tr- basically traveling around the world and seeing all this cool shit and it goes from black and white to color yeah. and then we see fashion change and then there's one episode i think like in the 70s where you see it's in color and he's in the middle of this huge crowd, this growing crowd, yeah. and you see the the population as you saw it continue to rise. Because I remember when they showed it in the 30s and thought, 
well, there was a world war happening and mm-hmm. I know what the population is like now. And it's actually startling to see it go from something like 3 billion to 7 billion to almost 8 billion now to double the amount of people on the planet. And for me, what, um, what I kind of like took away or, or what I kind of wanted to get into on the podcast was he doesn't really at any point, like he, he, he says the world and the planet and that we have to do this all together, but then that's not how the world works, like for anything, right? Mm-hmm. So there's always going to be, I think, delineations and variations on how people have to change because you can't ask all of the countries to do everything the same because there's going to be some countries have better resources. Some countries have more of the land. Some countries have less than it. Some countries are more... Um, are, are are more reliant on like things that be that end up in carbon emissions, right? So because he never does that, it never puts the onus on anyone, and that seemed to me like a like a marketing or a pitch thing to be like we want everyone to get galvanized behind the movement because the deeper we get into discussing the movement, the more like rot it could become. No, I understand, and I, I do get the point of I think you made this before that you know. Large countries, um, powerful countries, um, for example, America, who has profited off um, abusing smaller countries, um, kind of overshadowing them, they've been able to grow so much from doing so much damage. And now you can't just, you can't, it it feels almost uh, contradictory to say things like, okay, well now you small countries, you have to do better. Right. You know, Um, I think it's, I think there just needs to be a, a big, push yes i do agree everyone needs to work on it but you can't just tell a small country that maybe doesn't have the funds to develop these technologies or pay for these technologies at least if you're a larger country that has more money that has the funds to do it you should be um leading by a leading by a better example um and you should be even offering solutions to help your other countries like i had a conversation with my older brother the other day it was quick but he was saying that we have to get out of this mentality of thinking so um, close-minded within your own country. We have to start thinking that we all live on the same planet. We we have to start thinking on a larger global scale because this anything I do in my country will affect every other country, right? Um, I do think that, like I said, big countries need to take action, uh, but it all goes down to money. Nobody wants to lose profits. And then nobody, everybody wants to make money quick. If they know, even even if they know that they're going to make money in the long run, they they are not comfortable with it because it means that they're going to lose profits in the short run. Mm-hmm. And no one is willing to take that risk because people are so um, greedy, and it's disgusting. It's very sad. I I, I agree with that, but then I, I also kind of come down to what about like us in our individual lives and the luxuries that we have that it takes a while for people to kind of just to to give them up to say that you're not going to do this anymore because in the abstract it sounds great right Mm -hmm. but remember when there was like a shortage at the beginning of coronavirus on like toilet paper yeah or a shortage on meat and people were thinking freaking out freaking out how are they gonna adjust to these things so imagine in the western world if you had like hard and fast rules so the things that we're accustomed to that we could just go to a grocery store and pick up some shit and that'll be it. Yep. Like how how willing is the nor- like an everyday person going to be to change their 
habits. Their habits, because mm-hmm. like we can talk about like larger corporations, and that's where some of the solution comes in. But whenever I see watch like a documentary and stuff like this, I always think it comes down to like us just all agreeing on it. That's not and gonna then, happen. Yeah, like it's never gonna happen. Like though. like think about it. Like man, I need this AC to be comfortable, else I'm gonna fucking die. <laughs> like, yeah, but I think see that's the problem. Yeah. People think they have to give up things, and they think they they think giving up on the biggest scale ever. Like oh, I I'm not allowed ever eating meat, or I have to I give up think, my AC. But yeah, I don't think that's what, a big scale though. I feel like that's a reasonable thing. Yes. I, like growing up, I did not have air condition. So yeah. it'd be like, oh, well, I lived my entire life thinking that that was a luxury thing yeah. more so than a thing that everyone had. So is it that, how, like, how do you put the I genie think, back in the bottle of people saying exactly. that you're used to this, but now you don't get to have this anymore? Or people are used to conveniences like going in a car and going somewhere, getting in an Uber and getting around a city or... Like, like you always think that it's the other guy who is a culprit and not like us. Yeah, because there's a, a lot of comparative suffering going on in the world. You're constantly comparing yourself to what you to to the person that you want to be, because of the stuff you don't have. Um, I think that I don't know, man. I think people have to stop looking at it so material. Like, oh, this is what I have to give up. It's more so people just need to change their perspective. You know, there could be, you know, let there, let's say there's two children. One child has, their whole life has get, been given nothing, right? So when they get something, um, it's the best thing in the world. Versus a child who's been spoiled, who has had everything. You've given them everything. When you take away from that child, it's so much harder to convince them what's right and what's wrong. That's basically the world that we live in. We've been given everything. We've been, I mean, I'm speaking about living in Canada, having the luxury of being able to just go down the street and get anything I want, Mm -hmm. being able to order something online, have it the next day, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people would have a very difficult time giving that up because they're looking at the world in a very materialistic manner because we have lost what happiness means. What I just think it's, it's such a deeper, more psychological level. Mm -hmm. And the only way the world is going to shift is if we, change that perspective if we somehow our governments raise each other or raise the next generation less about materialistic but it all goes down to money capitalism no one wants to as long as capitalism is so prevalent and concentrated in society things will never change or you know my solution we need a king this is not we work. need a king people are not gonna people are not gonna or do, queen or hey. queen <laughs> girls get it done Okay, so let's let's go into the solutions uh, that you mapped out for this podcast that he said in the, he said in the film, and the first one they have is birth rate control. Yeah, and you have, don't have babies. Japan, <laughs> and he like I I remember he went over that so quickly. It was just like you yada yada it because the the because uh, that's the hardest ask I think. The birth rate one is something again that you're. It, like, it's always kind of framed in general and saying the planet has to do this, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe it's the industrialized countries that have more of an onus on them to do it. Because you see how it's working out in China with the one-child policy. The whole documentary that won yep. a, an Oscar about it. Like, that's a deep and very, like, wrought topic. And you say, you can't just yada yada and say, like, the birth rate and, like, automatically put it down. Part of the conservative argument in America is that um, minorities are taking over the country and you're losing your country because white people aren't having enough babies. 
And even to go back to the boys, Stormfront and Homelander was talking about white genocide. And this is a thing. So it's it then all becomes about who are you saying has to have a birth rate control or what what body is going to dictate to people not to not to do it because it comes back to like a primal urge and to to sex like when uh before an agricultural revolution and there was less food there would be less people the reason there is so much so many people now is because we found better and easier ways to feed ourselves mm-hmm. so what on the birth rate control thing like what what the fuck what's here i i I agree that, you know, we don't need as many people in the world. Um, Thanos. That's the Thanos. Yeah, yeah I, I'm a Thanos fan. Um, but I I struggle with it because, you know, I came from a fam- a big family. There's four kids in my family. So, um, what? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing. So I'd be like, which one are you giving up? <laughs> oh, God. No, but, I mean, I came from a big family, and I, I, love, I love those memories, being able to grow up with, multiple siblings with a lot of cousins i i do like that idea so it's hard to stand by that though i'm conflicted because i do agree i think that we don't need as many people but i also think that would be a very hard ask because like you said who 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 gets to have children who doesn't get to have children i don't agree with that i don't think you should be selective on who gets a child i think more i think it would be more of a you can't have more than two kids or something kind of rule um but then i think personally i mean i i don't know a lot of people who are having more than four kids nowadays but like think about this man like people fuck they have two kids how do you how do you how do you stop them from fucking or if they want like a larger family like it then it all becomes about like the constitution of that specific country i was just gonna say and who who says that like who i'm gonna stop people from fucking in america they just signed what's her face anna amy what's her name for the high courts um, for the supreme court um let's say amy comey barrett thank you let's say that they she said she makes abortion illegal Mm mm-hmm Okay, birth rate's just gonna go up. People yeah. are doing abortions. Yeah, the, in the whole. And now David, we're gonna get rid of abortions. Whole and, and David Attenborough thing. How are you thing, supposed to birth rate control? The thing that they don't mention is that there is also a religious element to yeah. all of this, and it's about like storytelling. You didn't and mention the, religion. Would what, what people believe? Because I I don't recall it. But oh no, no, that was a different conversation. Because, in that sense, like religious people would say that. God has put the planet here for us to use. Yeah, that's right. And that we get to um, use it as we see fit. When we say religious, this is a specific religion because there's many, there are ah, many sorry, a religions sorry, 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 who sorry. believe that there are. In the Western world, there is one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're speaking about, yeah. Christianity. I just want to make that clear because like, there are some religions who are very um, closely related to the earth and connected with how you treat the earth as one with how you're living. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, let's think about the main religion in the Western world. Yeah, but then world. do those religions then That's also... up. Do those religions also then like comment on um, on agriculture and on farming and on that kind of stuff on, a, on having kids? Because all of these things are like kind of connected. So in, even in the Bible, there's a whole, there's a, a verse about like, Jesus talks about like giving to Caesar what is Caesar's, meaning that obey the laws of the government mm-hmm. in the context of religion. That's why like you gotta like 
check their sources on who wrote what. Yeah. But it, it's all about like a form of control and who has control over the people and how they even view things. Because climate change has become like a political issue where there are people who don't believe that it's a thing or who say that um, the climate is always changing. What are we freaking out for now that it's just a political idea? Is there such thing as a good dictator? Because I feel like we need a dictator or a king. Like we just need someone to tell us, like someone, we need a good king. That's what you're saying. We need yes, someone we, to tell us what to do and just do it. Who cares about the people who are against it? Well, those people who but are against it are going gonna... gonna to form organizations and underground <laughs> committees and try to blow shit up. Think that's not happening now? Yeah, of course. But like the climate people, like they aren't that organized. So, okay, so that's the birth rate control. Restore biodiversity, Palau. And this one I don't really remember as well, so I just have to say go. It's basically about the fishing. Uh So there was overfishing in Palau. And um, in order to save the the fishing population, they had to um, create strong regulations. And from that, they were able to uh, get it back up. I believe that was, it was the fishing one. That was the example that they gave. So, um, yeah, like how we have grouper and cock seasons, like that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's, I feel like you can't even expand on that because I think a lot of countries are, tr- are doing this, mm-hmm. um, are trying to find ways. I, I'm speaking specifically about fishing. But are they fishing, doing it? Sorry, I got an Andrew moment. <coughs> are they doing it to the extent that Attenborough would want? Like, no, or nobody is, is doing that any of these things to the extent that, extent that Attenborough is asking. And that's why this film is still depressive at the end because <laughs> you realize that he's at, what he's asking for is a lot, which which I agree, which is what we need. But there's also that moment where you realize all this, all of this a lot, quote, is not going to be happening by 2030, 2050. Yeah, because he, he's... And you know, I just like, kept picturing a Mad Max scene the whole time I was watching this. Yeah, I got to get my silver spray that they do in Mad Max mm, when they yeah. spray in the thing. Looks yeah. very cool. Is it silver? Is black? Is it black? I thought it was like a Char- silver. Charlie Theron with the black. No, she had it on her eyes, but like oh, the sorry. guys oh, the who was yeah, like on the thing, silver. they had like a silver spray going on. Anyway, so. <laughs> so so the restore biodiversity thing. I remember that um, anytime I would see a graphic on Instagram or somewhere where people are imagining cities of the future and it's some climate activist or someone who gives a fuck about nature they would always like do the graphic of oh there are trees on this building and then that'll get it done you know what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah, right because vancouver is all trees on buildings you've seen that right yeah. so they're like in the future helps if regulate we just the temperature put... <laughs> there you go there you go so like that's the like restore biodiversity mandate but i guess like who decides that again and who was going to say that this is aesthetically pleasing to me or to us or we're able to maintain this? That the maintenance and the cost is so high. If you're going to have trees, nature, mm-hmm. anything living in, and trying to coexist with that in a city especially, mm-hmm. trees aren't just there. There's roots. Mm-hmm. There's damage if there's uh, weather what? conditions. There's roots? <laughs> there's a lot, man. And so I think um, – Again, this is something that a, a country that has the money to do it should be implementing more of. Um, but yeah, who is to say? Well, I mean, it's the government at the end of the day. It's whoever is in power can is are the ones who are going to be able to make that decision. Um, I want to go to the next one. Go, go uh, for Shift it. to renewable energy. This was another solution. So um, there's five solutions. We're on three for anyone yeah. who's uh, who's just just tuning in (laughs) um so with this one they gave an example of morocco that created fields of um solar powered um 
or solar panels. Um, so they were able to, I think there, he gave a very early date of when the hundred percent of the, of the area can go in, will all be solar powered. Um, and they will be hoping in the future to be one of the leading, the leading country with, um, who, wow, I can't speak the leading country exporting solar energy. Mm -hmm. Um, funny thing, when I first saw that, I just thought, Wow, that's a lot of land and a lot of panels. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> we're trying to save land, and it seems like we're taking up a lot it. of yeah. land. But I'm assuming that that amount of land is probably still a lot less than farming. Um, but then again, it's like, why, if it's that easy to create solar panels and export and make a profit off it, how come we're not doing more of it? You're asking why don't like the big oil companies pivot to this if they have the money to do it and they could save the planet. Because like it's not said. enough money. You need to, this is a thing that we concluded in order for the whole, in order for big companies to actually make such a drastic shift and change into their business structure and strategy, they need to know that they will be making more money, a bigger profit than what they're currently doing, think about which it. what nothing is doing that this right now. No, nothing's offering that. CEOs and people in senior management. Yep. They have lives that they've paid for that people in their lives have grown accustomed to and, they're and living, their current a, yeah. living a certain way. And then they're saying to themselves, like, the only sustainable thing they care about is, like, where their kids are going to go to school yeah. and, like, that kind of shit, how they're going to get around, like, and the status symbol that it creates. If you make a big, drastic shift and then um, you decide that I'm working for Exxon, I'm going to pivot to solar, and then the next thing you know, you're out on your ass because you had two quarters of negative growth when your shareholders are used to this much profit and you lose your job and then the next guy behind you comes in and switches that, yeah. like, what are you going to do? So, like, part of the reason that this film even exists is for Attenborough to say, like, I know I can't convince that person, but maybe I could convince the public and we can have a tidal wave of support. But on the renewable energy thing, I, I thought, like, it would be great about, um, like, exporting that kind of energy. But then... You know, I forget what they they uh, they call it because um, what's his name? Mitch and I were talking about it, and mm -hmm. it's this idea that countries would have like these carbon discounts, yeah. And essentially, you would be able to trade these carbon discounts in between countries. So, a country like America, who knows that they're gonna have like more greater carbon emissions and greater output, could buy no, it from no. As soon as long as they pick up branches they're totally fine <laughs> or plant a tree or plant a tree pick up a branch fires are starting because branches but Trump like said the, it. the idea that say this becomes a global thing right and then larger countries would then say okay what we're gonna do is because we know we have so much more um carbon emissions is yeah. we buy that carbon credit from another country that doesn't have that same kind of carbon emissions mm -hmm. and then it'll all come back down to to money so like where would the incentive be for renewable energy or would be the larger countries paying um, these smaller countries in order to get that carbon credit? Because there's so many moving parts to this that yeah. I, I think that to get it into one documentary... Because it's a global crisis. That's right. why there's but moving... I, I always think that like when Netflix does a documentary, right, like it's never going to be as thorough as you know it probably should be because you kind of need like the opposing point. Because we talked about this in the social uh, dilemma documentary, the opposing point for the documentary to have like a lot more validity, but then that's that doesn't seem to be to be there because the, a Netflix documentary is always going to have a, a point and an angle, but I, I feel like it's important to have the counter side in it even just a little bit.
I agree. So moving on to, okay, the next solution is reduced farmland space, Netherlands. Okay, sorry. So um, while you were talking, I was actually looking up because um, at one point, and this leads into reducing farmland space, um, David Attenborough talks about um, the amount of meat that we eat, um, the amount of farmland is actually, you know, corn and crops to feed the animals that we're consuming, um, overconsumption. And um, I had a moment where I thought, is David Attenborough vegan? I feel like if he, the way he, I feel like if you are this type of advocate um, and he's, you know, getting out of retirement to be an activist, mm -hmm. um, at, first of all, he's in his 90s. I think that's incredible. I thought he was younger. I thought he was yeah. at least in his early 80s. Um, but is this guy vegan? So that's what, when you were talking, I was looking it up. Um, I still don't have the answer. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of people are. I feel like he is. I feel like he is. But the funny thing, the first thing is, um, is he is David Attenborough vegan after watching a life on our planet? <laughs> I think a lot of people are questioning this, but um, yeah, I mean the example that they gave for that solution was Netherlands, and what they were doing uh, was in-house farming of plants, um, able to do it in levels, um, so um, different floors, um, being able to grow your farmland upwards, and saving more land there. I think that's a great. I mean, I think that. That's a small solution to a bigger problem, mm -hmm. but it's still some a good solution. And I mean, it looked. I would eat. I would eat a <laughs> like, vegetable. The tomatoes look good. Tomatoes look real good. But to go back to the David Attenborough <laughs> point you were making about veganism, you know what my first thought was is that vegans need um, like a McDonald's, meaning that they need a fast, a fast food. food place where people only care about the planet to an extent. Because anything with fast food, there's it's going to be cheap and they, they're going to cut corners and it's going to like satiate those taste buds, but it's not going to be like the like fresh, or for instance. You know there like, are fast food vegan places. Yeah, but okay, so this is my point, right? Is that there are fast food vegan places, but because of the nature of those people who own it or who have like that kind of mindset, they also like they want to make money, obviously, and make a profit. But in their mind, they're still thinking like, "Oh, but we could do this. Like, we will still be like a little sustainable." Yeah, but there, there are fast food. But what I'm saying when I say McDonald's or like a Burger King or a KFC yeah. is that, okay, we don't sell meat. We don't give a fuck. All we want is for your taste buds to feel good. And like, mm -hmm. just just that alone, if they were to become like a global like a global power in the fast food market that could like change things because it would force the other big fast food changes, um, change to say, okay, we want to advertise like them. We want to be as big as them. And that, that's what I mean. Like yeah. it, it has to be a, someone who gives a fuck, but to an extent, <laughs> like not too much almost. So I see where, where you're coming from, but mm -hmm. the only reason why I disagree with that is because there are fast food. I, I know I said there are fast food vegan places and there's a reason why there aren't, uh, there isn't a fast food McDonald's. vegan place, McDonald's. There yeah. isn't a vegan uh, um, McDonald's. There mm -hmm. isn't, because nobody, nobody cares that much. Because if any, if anything, usually vegan people who are vegan tend to have more of a, a, a moral. They give you know? a fuck more. They give a fuck more. So yeah. no one, so I think support, people want to support their local fast food vegan right. restaurants. Right. If there's a franchise, they're 
it's they're actually going to be. It's not part of their target audience. It's not. Yeah. That's not. No matter how like you can make money, I'm sure not going to be the extent of McDonald's. But I think with anything, if you're making as much money as as the McDonald's you're of the world, you're doing something wrong. Back. There's yeah. some. There's some. Like we're we're taking Shouts blood from a baby, like a newborn baby or wow, something. Okay, that's yeah. what's feeding. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, there's going to be something evil going on. So, um. I don't know. I think that what Netherlands is doing, I thought it was a cool example. I think that more people could do that. Maybe there are more people who are, who are doing that, but we're not focusing but on it. But remember what you said um, when you brought it up the first time? It's like, and we even said it while watching it, that looks like this costs money. It does, well, yeah, absolutely. Like, this looks money. like this is going to cost, like, a, a big investment but for you, in to, the long for you run, to put in. That's the thing. Yeah, but Those you have people to... are, are willing to take that loss or that small profit because they know at the end of the day... They will be making way more profit. Yeah. I know. I, I, we could honestly, we could hum and haw about this but forever. Just, just because, like, it, at what point are you going to get people, like, engaged? Like, to get the, um, to tell people this is where your tax dollars are, go- are going to. Because in America, for instance, there's already. You need a king. You need to have. There's already subsidized farming to an insane extent. Like, so much money goes to farmers in the state. So much of it is subsidized. So many of the laws are uh, bent towards um, towards them and what they in the states want they actually pay far- they pay people to become farmers. Yeah, and that's why farmers get into this. But it's it's these farmers actually lose a lot of money because they don't realize they they these farmers will put money. It's like if you see a Starbucks and you want to have a franchise, you want to own your own Starbucks, mm-hmm. right? You're that cute little family. Like, oh, we have this mm-hmm. little Starbucks in this corner in this small town. And you don't realize how much money you're actually putting into it, and then you your family's actually fucked. Mm-hmm. And now you have to pay off this debt of this Starbucks. You have to keep it going. You have to manage it. And you're losing money every year. That's what's happened to a lot of farmers in the States, actually. And I know this because I listened to a podcast on, from Ezra Klein. I think it was an Ezra Klein podcast. So is Ezra on Klein. The, yeah, on the uh, meat industry specifically. Um, a lot of farmers disagree with it, and they can't get out because they're tied to these contracts. So then back to reduce farmland space, yeah. right? So in order to build the stuff that they have in the Netherlands, how the fuck do you do that? And I feel like it's great to get like these anecdotal stories or these one-offs in these one countries, but for the life of Lamar Jackson, 37-yard touchdown run. You have to be, you have to be, okay. But how do you remember him? He won us. Yes, you have to be a rich, small country. That's, that's the only way to get, to to at least make these transitions Mm -hmm. quicker. Big countries, too many ideas, too many opinions. Small countries, a lot easier to I take care of. Jeff Have you seen Bezos, the Nordic countries? I left Jeff Bezos decides, like, okay, I'm going to do this now, but he's too busy playing with robots. Yeah. Um, okay, so the last one. <laughs> the last cease solution. deforestation. Cease deforestation. Um, the example that they gave was Costa Rica. I think I can't give you stats because I don't remember, but there was a huge amount of um, their forests that were dying. So then they implemented this. Um, the solution that they had was, something to do with locals uh, planting your own trees and basically getting the community involved and helping to um, rebuild the forests, which ended up working. Again, smaller country, easier to get people on the same page. Um, But, I mean, okay, we all know that forests give a lot of oxygen and are very important to help cooling the planet. Mm -hmm. Someone needs to do something about Brazil. (laughs) Like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> no, but seriously. Oh, man. Bolsonaro does not care. He does not give a fuck. And I th- there was something that he was saying once. He was like, he wasn't, 
Um, this is his country. He doesn't need to make decisions to help other people. He just wants yeah. to help himself. Yeah. A lot of people think and to that. to help Brazilians and to maximize the amount of money because there's another, a lot of money in Brazil. And that is... Short term. Short term and very true. And he's thinking it... He's thinking in terms of election cycles, whereas Attenborough is thinking in terms of hundreds so of years, millennium, extinction, human extinction. extinction. <laughs> right, but like even like the 2030 projections, that's not that far off in terms of what we can do. And that's can I say in our lifetime? I want to say that this is my at least my major problem with a lot of climate activists is that for so long you've been told if you don't do this by this date, then we're fucked. And I feel, as a 38-year-old man, I've heard that so many times that we have to be past the we're already fucked moment, right? Okay, we are past. So, yeah, yeah but, but, but wait. After. So, like, I keep hearing this, and now it's been kicked down. The can has been kicked down the road again. There's this big clock in New York that says, this, like, by this date, if we don't change all of these things. And I've been saying, I've been hearing this for at least 20 years. At least 20 years of if we don't do it by this date, if in the next five years we don't completely change and completely reverse it, then we're fucked. Haven't we passed that moment and now we're in, we're in the part of like um, human existence where we need um, technological solutions? And Ezra Klein always talks about this a lot um, where the humanists believe that technology is going to solve the problem. So we need a technology to solve these problems. But you problems. need time to make technology. Right. Okay. But what I'm saying is that the marketing of this campaign and of this movement has been saying that you are fucked unless you change by this date for a while. And I know that's what you were responding no, to. Yeah. I want to I, yeah, I comment on this because I, I feel like the way that people are are asking or saying this. They're saying, mm -hmm. okay, this is the date. This is the last date. Okay, they're, they're saying it like they think that we're developed human beings. The same way that, you know, when you're in high school, there's a thing called procrastination. I remember being in high school. I used to procrastinate a lot and thinking, I can't wait to be an adult because I'm not going to procrastinate anymore. Mm -hmm. I am now an adult and I procrastinate still. Yeah. So why do people think that Chelsea giving you a date, all of a sudden all adults are going to, you know, all these you know, adults are going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, we're going to start now. Nobody fucking does that. Everybody mm -hmm. procrastinates. Mm -hmm. Why do we assume that humans are good and that we're going to do this? No, you know, everyone had that two kids in, in, that, in your grade in high school who never procrastinated. Those were two out of, let's say, you had 100 kids in your grade, 200 kids in your grade, okay? Yeah, and are those they're kids now, running the world now? No, no they're, not. they're not. Those they're kids not. are not the ones running the world. Nope. <laughs> the ones who are running the world are the ones who procrastinated and did their homework the night before, yeah. okay? So think about it. We have, let's say, by 2030, sorry, I'm like, no, okay, by go, 2030, go the world is going to, let's say the world is going to, we are fucked, and there's no going back by 2030. Okay, New Year's Eve, 2029. That's when we're going to be like, okay, we need to figure out the technology. We're going to do this all now. That's right now. what we're going to do. We're not going to do it now. We're going to do it last minute. We're going to procrastinate because that's what humans do. When you think that Sorry. the things that the Just billionaires are thinking about is that the billionaires have already given up and been, are now saying, what about space though? Yeah. Like, let's go to Mars. They're already giving they're up. Re they've already given up because yeah. they don't believe that people can do this. And I don't know because um, you always see this, this uptick in the, or this um, change after a, a popular documentary comes out. Because remember what the health was out and then people decided to change how they ate for a while, except for Nal, who that mm -hmm. actually um, 
took hold of him. Mm-hmm. And even in Family Guy, they made reference to it yep. where Peter Griffin is like, oh, my wife is making me eat all this. Sh-. And then well, he, he goes extreme. He goes yeah. extreme in the other direction. This, that kind of tends, kind of tends to be what happens is that people don't like being told, quote unquote, told what to do or told what they can't have or what they can't yeah. have. And that's where you see like Bolsonaro's reaction where, no, you can't tell me what to do or I can't do this or I can't have that. And adults are no better than kids. We have to stop treating global warming like it's a, a, a grade 11 math assignment that's to do the next day. No, yeah. but seriously, yeah. I feel like that's how it's going to be treated. And that's what you're seeing already. But does the, the I don't know if it needs um, someone other than like Greta, because like Greta could be good for a while and good for like a few people news don't cycles. take her seriously because she's a kid, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I think she's great. I think what she's doing is is good. Mm-hmm. But I can understand why it's hard for people to take her seriously. Like, they'll be like, oh, child. come and have this speech at the United Nations. But then at the end of the day, they don't give a fuck. They just are like, yeah. okay, thank you for your input. And then exactly. just leave. And then that's that's it. So, And then at the end of the documentary, he kind of went through 2030, 2040, 2050. And then 2060, he'd be like, oh, we're all fucked. Like, yeah there there's gonna become like some kind of um peak in human population and then it starts mm-hmm. to crater as you know you guys didn't want to farm less you wanted to use all that land now you can't use the land because there it's will, been oversoiled and like a there'll temperature be no arctic. there'll be no arctic that was a like that always freaks me out watching yeah. the snow melt that is actually the, the scariest thing for me you know watching that deforestation you don't care about mountain lions i care about floppy animals. Right? but Watching, you know, watching the extinction of, of animal species, watching um, deforestation. Okay, that's all scary. But to me, it's still the scariest, watching the amount of ice that has been melted, even on this day, today. it's That's, to me, the scariest. Because the ice, our Earth needs water. We need flow. We need the, the proper flow. Um and without the ice, it's not going to be like that. Anyway, um, he does talk about at the end, this is where it gets positive, guys. <laughs> positivity. Pause on the positivity. Let's hold on there. Um, but he um, he does say something. Uh, we're, we need to learn how to reexamine our relationship with nature. We have to learn to work with it rather than against it. And I agree with that. I think we need to remember that um, on the food chain, yeah, we might be at the top, but you know, just because you're on the top, it doesn't mean you can destroy everything below you. Because then you won't have anything to be on the top anymore. You won't There's be no anywhere. There will be no hierarchy. There, there's no equilibrium. There's no balance, and it always goes down to balance. Um, he does offer solutions, and those are the solutions we were mentioning. But at the end of the day, I think we concluded two things. Um, the first thing is um, that in order for there to make there to be a big change um we need to prove that you will be making a profit because people are obsessed with money will always be obsessed with money as long as it exists um and they uh companies need to know that they will be making more money doing this new technological decision that's helping the climate um versus the traditional ways that they're doing it um and we just need a fucking king because otherwise what it's all at four. Like, I, I, I honestly, like, I watch this and I hear the platitudes because each solution that he gives is its own film. Like, how yeah. detailed that it would have to be in order to explain it. So, like, when I hear platitudes kind of like, well, we have to work with nature. I was saying, okay, but, like, how? 
Like, would, how are you telling people in there every day um, to work with nature? In I order bought a to, plant for my home from Ikea. I'm living with nature. <laughs> like, like, what the fuck? And I, and I understand the, um, the importance of it. But until it's communicated to an idea, like people only care, like right now we're doing this podcast, but like people care about the election and coronavirus and then just getting out of this. And then if we have like another, um, another mass event, we might could get people, uh, the globe, I mean, behind it. Because when you even think about the idea of a vaccine, this is the fastest there's ever been a vaccine because there's been a rush on it. Everyone has been told, every country around the world, every pharmacy con- uh, company, this is the one thing you work on. So imagine, but think about what it had to take in order to get everyone to work on it. So if we got everyone to work on climate change for like a year and they said, this is the one thing you work on all year. All of you guys do this. All of you come up with ideas. But can we, unless we have someone who is going to dictate what we, you know, dictate what people are going to work on or just like properly motivate everyone. To the reason on. why it's it's so easy to put everyone on this is because countries are losing so much money because of mm-hmm. coronavirus. Nobody's mm-hmm. losing money because of climate change right now. Right. Yet. Yet. Um, but yeah, there needs to be a, a, a climate pandemic that where people are forced to be in their homes. It needs to be like this but not virus, global. It needs to be, uh, not global, sorry, climate-related. Um, climate related. So I can't imagine what that's going to be like, and I obviously don't want to be living with that, but that might have to be the, dis- that might have to be the reason why people... Well, and then, just sorry, to add on your, um, your takes on how each solution could be its own film, I actually would love to see a climate change um, uh, documentary specifically um, focus on business and how and profit like how profiting off um uh changing adapting uh pivoting your your company to something more um environmentally friendly and how you can make more money off it i'm sure that there there's got to be something but i would love to see a documentary on that to actually show that yeah there's money here and you can you can be the next so-and-so who's changing the way that we look at how businesses are formed and the structure and strategies of the businesses of the future. I would love to see that. I'd be very interested in that. But in the interim, Thanos. Thanos, um, we need a Thanos. Please don't choose me. Thank you. Or choose me. I don't know. Or, you know what I was <laughs> also thinking about? Um, like, we could talk about, do a whole climate change podcast, but, like, us, our relationship... Is based on a lot of carbon emissions. We had to travel back and forth a lot. So before, before it's we, so true. Before we I change know. this, we have to be in the same place. We're contradicting ourselves. Yeah, we we're yeah, we are because but like traveling man. We need to see each Has other. To be done. Has to be done. Okay. <laughs> we're wrapping up. This is positive. Po- yay. Positivity. Yay. Okay. Everybody, uh, pet your plants. Say thank you. That's it. That's how you want to end the, the podcast. Say thank you earth kiss the floor put huh. your you know walk barefoot in the grass once in a while you know, come for it i don't feel like that's it. uh you know what there's a lot of oh, this has been the i need a minute <laughs> podcast thank you for listening go walk there bye <laughs>